Well, it's good to be back after a week in Western Pennsylvania at my 50th high school reunion. Uh, they announced at that that it was the last one. He said it's too much work to put those together, so I was glad I made that and looked around the old town. It was Connellsville, Pennsylvania at the old hangouts. My brother and I looked around and uh, went to the gravesite of our parents and said a little prayer over that, and it was good to be there. Um, so we today are in Acts 15, verse 36 through 16.10. And we're going to talk about discovering the will of God. Now, how do you know the will of God for your life? Too many people worry about God's secret will and ignore or minimize his commanded will or revealed will. Who am I supposed to marry, somebody will say. The secret will of God. And you'll know when you marry that person. Where will I go to college? That's God's secret will. You want to know God's secret will for marriage, but you ignore his revealed will and date non-Christians. You want to know his secret will about college, but you ignore the fact that you're not supposed to get drunk. Why would God reveal his secret will when you ignore his revealed will? And we know that all that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. God leads and guides his children through providence. Proverbs 16.9 The mind of a man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Psalm 23.3 He guides me in the paths of, of righteousness for his namesake. Psalm 78.52 But he led forth his own people like sheep and guided them in the wilderness like a flock. God guides us through his word. Psalm 119.105 Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. He guides us through our convictions. We plan, we pray, God directs. Livingston planned to go to China. God led him to Africa. Alexander McKay prepared to go to Madagascar. God sent him to Uganda. Carey wanted to go to the South Sea Islands. He sent him to India so that they would have the Bible in their language. Dr. James M. Gray, former president of the Moody Bible Institute, was recovering from a severe illness. His doctor advised him to go on an open voyage for or an ocean voyage for uh, R&R. But Dr. Gray took a turn for the worse. He was disappointed, and he wondered why God had not allowed him to go on that trip. A week later, he read in the newspaper that that boat sank. There were no survivors. Then he realized how perfectly the Lord had directed his way. His temporary sickness had delivered him from certain death. Your company shuts down, and that's unfortunate. 
But then God puts you into a new job where you have more freedom to share your faith. God is at work all the time in many ways if we would only acknowledge it. As Paul sets out on his second missionary journey, he gives us four ways that God guides us. Four ways that we discover the will of God. Discovering the will of God, Acts 15, 36 through 16, 10. Number one, through conflict. Through conflict, 36 through 41. No one likes conflict. I don't like conflict. But God often uses it for his purposes. We ended up in New Mexico and Nevada and Wisconsin all because of conflict. God guides us even through difficulty. A woman in Fallon, Nevada, where we were for five years at the other Bible church there, um, ended up in Russia because her husband died. He was the pastor of that church. He was only in his 50s, and through that tragedy, it worked out for the greater glory of God. Verse 36. After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us return and visit the brethren in every city in which we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. It's possible that Paul and Barnabas spent the winter in Antioch. And when spring came, the roads opened, uh, it was safe to sail, and Paul was ready for a new ministry experience. He wanted to revisit the churches that he had planted and see how they were doing spiritually. 37 through 41. Barnabas wanted to take John, called Mark, along with them also. But Paul kept insisting that they should not take him along who had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there occurred such a sharp disagreement that they separated from one another, and Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and left, being committed by the brethren to the grace of the Lord. And he was traveling through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Paul wanted to take John Mark. I think he was motivated to give him a second chance to prove himself, and he was his cousin. We saw Barnabas before in in chapter 9 of Acts when the disciples were afraid to meet with Paul, who had been Saul and who had persecuted the church. It says in verse 27, But Barnabas took hold of him, meaning Paul, and brought him to the apostles and described to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and that he had had talked to him and how at Damascus he had spoken out boldly in the name of Jesus. Barnabas was somebody who could get people together. Paul was focused on the mission and unwilling to take someone along who couldn't contribute and would hold him back or slow him down. Do you place the interests of the individual before the work as a whole? I tend to be more like Paul in those situations. There was a sharp disagreement. The truth is that even the best Christians do not always agree. 
Some of the church's greatest leaders had been very difficult people. Luther was one of them. He said this of himself, I am rough and boisterous and stormy and altogether warlike, fighting against innumerable monsters and devils. I am born for removing of stump and stones, cutting away thistles and thorns, and clearing a wild forest. And in every church we have Luther's, but we also need Barnabas's who have a softer approach to deal with problems. It doesn't seem like Paul and Barnabas shook hands after a day of fasting and prayer. They separated with angry words, something like this. You're wrong, my brother. Mark has disqualified himself, Paul would say. Barnabas would respond, no, you're too quick to to discard him. I know he has potential. And that's always a tough call, to know when to give up on someone and move on. But the glory of God is more important than any one individual. And yet, while that's true, individuals are important to God and their development. That's why you have a plurality of elders in the scriptures. All those gifts working together to make the church better to come to uh, biblical decision-making. What's it say? Much, there's much wisdom and many counselors. And th- I, I don't think this is a bad thing in the text, them separating. Neither one was wrong. Now you have two mission teams. It's not always a bad thing when people leave. They get a fresh start. They get a new perspective They review the lessons learned. There's new opportunities. Colossians 4.10, Paul said, if Barnabas' cousin Mark shows up, welcome him. In 2 Timothy 4.11, pick up Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for service. Mark earned back Paul's respect. So as you look at that, should Paul have had more patience? Maybe, not necessarily. But God used it to guide them all and increase the fruitfulness of the kingdom. Too often when there's a fight in the church, people just leave. And and what I found, they move on someplace and they don't serve. When I was forced to leave Texas and New Mexico and Nevada, you're going to vote on me next week whether or not I'm to be an elder. And I just, you just, I told you a little bit about how everybody pushed me out of those churches. But um, I always saw it as an opportunity to grow. It was an opportunity to grow. It was painful. I especially had to move my kids and move them away from their friends. And but as I went to the next church, I was determined not to be bitter not to be resentful because God cannot use a bitter pastor and God can't really use bitter Christians. We need to grow in humility. George talked about that two weeks ago. So what in those situations, what lessons did I need to learn? One, I needed to ask for forgiveness. Two, I needed to forgive people. 
But Satan wanted me to be bitter. He wanted to hinder the gospel. But by God's grace, I worked through that. When conflict comes, do not run. Do not give up. Learn from the lessons God wants to teach you. Find a John Mark. Find a Silas. Partner with them and glorify God. Number two, through others, 16, 1 through 5. Irishman Adam Clark, a great theologian in his eight-volume commentary on the Bible. He wrote between the years 1810 and 1826. Still are in print. And he was called the prince of commentators by the prince of preachers who was Spurgeon. But in school, he was slow to learn. One day a visitor came to his class and the teacher pointed at Clark and said, that is my most stupid student. Bad teacher, bad teacher. Later the visitor took him aside and said, never mind him. You may be a great scholar someday. Don't be discouraged, but try hard and keep trying. A word of encouragement goes a long way, right? We also see God's guidance and his will through the words of others. Verse 1. Paul came also to Derbe and Lystra, and a disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. This is the first place in Scripture we see Timothy. You can imagine how he was intimidated by the strong personality and the brilliant mind of Paul. Verse 2, and he was well spoken of by the brethren in Lystra and Iconium. Paul heard good things about Timothy, so he had confidence to add him to his team. When you hire a pastor, you get references, right? You want to hear from people who know him well and uh, who will give you an honest report. There have been youth pastors who worked for me who didn't do a good job. Most of them did, but a couple of them didn't. And they didn't get their next job because they used me as a reference. I wasn't trying to sandbag them. I just gave the positives and the negatives. But today, too often, if you call a church about a a pastoral candidate uh, and they don't have anything good to say about them, they won't tell you that. They will say, uh, all I can tell you is he worked here because they're afraid of being sued. And I say, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Tell people the truth. The brethren gave the thumbs up to Timothy. God can guide you through others and find to find his will. When I w- we were looking for a church uh, leaving Nevada, uh, there weren't too many people showing interest, and, and I called the Slavic Gospel Association because I knew they were in touch with churches around the country, and, and they pointed me to Fallon, Nevada. I sent my resume in, and boom, I was, that's where we went. Verse 3. Paul wanted this man to go with him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those parts, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. He circumcised Timothy so he wouldn't be a stumbling block. 
So it didn't look like he was rejecting his heritage as a Jew. And so it wouldn't get in the way of evangelism. Paul heard good things about Timothy and he wanted to take him along. Why? Number one, Timothy was like-minded with Paul. Philippians 2, 19-24. But I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly so that I also may be encouraged when I learn of your condition. For I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. For they all seek after their own interests, but not those of Christ Jesus. But you know of his proven worth, that he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father. Therefore, I hope to send him immediately as soon as I see how things go with me. And I trust in the Lord that I myself will also come shortly. Timothy was concerned about other people. You want leaders to care about people. Number two, he wanted to glorify God. And number three, he worked well with other people. These are the reasons they ordained him. Verses 4 and 5. Now, while they were passing through the cities, they were delivering the decrees which had been decided upon the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem for, the, for them to observe. So the churches were being strengthened in the faith and were increasing in number daily. They delivered a letter from James that the Gentiles didn't have to be circumcised. They weren't to trouble them, but... They should abstain from things contaminated by idols and from fornication and what is strangled and from blood. And as you read that, have you ever said, why? Why those things? Well, Gentile Christians would have have contact with Jewish Christians who kept a lot of the law, kept the ceremonial provisions of the law and uh, laws about sacrifice and festivals and unclean food. So he wanted Gentiles, Gentile Christians, to have fellowship with Jewish Christians and avoid unnecessary offense. Do you do that in your relationships with non-Christians? Without compromise? But do we always have to double down on every point of doctrine and Christian living? When maybe that person's not ready for that yet. At my 50th reunion... I sat next to a guy who was our tight end on our football team, uh, good guy. I did the opening prayer after another pastor did the memorial for those who had passed away. And then back at my table, this guy asked me what denomination I was associated with, and I talked to him about the IFCA. He said he and his wife were going to a local Methodist church, and he said, it is a mess We're arguing about whether or not to put homosexuals into the pulpit. He said, there are gays in our church, um, but a lot of people didn't, and I think that included him. They were not for gay pastors. I grew up in the Methodist church and had a lot of things I could have said, but I didn't want to unnecessarily offend him. So I just focused on the authority of Scripture and how we have to rely on Scripture to determine our faith and the practice of that faith. 
ecumenism seems to say unity is more important than truth. Promise Keepers was like that. Rick Warren is like that, although he wouldn't say that, but his methodology promotes that. Paul and Silas and Barnabas and John Mark, they didn't have to apologize. Well, maybe John Mark did about leaving in the beginning, but they didn't have to apologize about going their separate ways. They just needed to keep following orders. They just needed to keep seeking holiness and preaching the truth and evangelizing. Again, verse 5. So the churches were being strengthened in the faith and were increasing in number daily. That was what was important. Church is growing strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and increasing in numbers, not through compromise, but through prayer and love and solid teaching and relying on the Holy Spirit. Number three, through the sensitivity of the Holy Spirit. God guides us through conflict. He guides us through others and the direct work of the Holy Spirit in a man's soul. Sometimes you just know you need to do something or not. Verse 6, having visited the churches from the first missionary tour, they headed north. Somewhere along the way, they determined to go to Asia, including Lycia and Phrygia and Mycia. But the Holy Spirit said no. Whether that was a feeling whether that was a verbal command, we don't know. But when you're walking with God, you often know when he's directing you. He might take away a sense of peace about a decision, or it could be like that one fellow who didn't get on the boat. You could be ill. Philippians 1, 12 through 14. Now, I want you to know, brethren, that my, dis- my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel, so that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else, and that most of the brethren trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. Who would think that prison would be a good thing? But um, it was for Paul. It was for the gospel. Solzhenitsyn in Russia said, bless you, prison, because of what it did in his life. Second Corinthians 4, 7 through 11. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always caring about in the body the dying of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. Too many people think suffering means God's abandoned them. 
There's a purpose in our suffering. Paul kept trusting God no matter what the circumstances, and he knew his safety wasn't as important as God's glory. God rules when you trust his sovereignty. God rules, and when you trust his sovereignty, you don't see things as a defeat, but a detour. You know that God is at work. He wants to build your trust in him. If our first idea was always right, who would we trust in? Ourselves. But God lets us fail, so we trust him. So we pray more. Never prayed so much in my life as when two of my kids walked away from the Lord. We listen more closely. You know, I need your wisdom, Lord, to teach me. We're humbled by our failures, and that is an attitude that God will bless. Verse 7, and after they came to Mycenae, they were trying to go to Bithynia, and the spirit of Jesus did not permit them. Once again, the spirit intervened. The spirit here is called uniquely the spirit of Jesus, a phrase that emphasizes how Jesus himself, through the spirit, was guiding the progress of the gospel. Again, the manner of guidance remains unclear. In May 1997, we were candidating in Independence, Kansas, southeast part of Kansas. Took along six-year-old Mason and four-year-old Mark and three-year-old or three-month-old Catherine, our kids. After dinner with the pulpit committee, we put the kids to bed and we sat out in the hallway in the motel and we looked at each other and we said, this isn't the place. And we still had two days of candidating to do. We really couldn't say why. We just sensed that in our spirits. That was the Holy Spirit guiding us and showing us it was not his will. At that time, we had about two weeks left in the merged church we were in, and no one else was showing much interest in us, but we were not desperate. So we had no choice but to trust and obey and wait and not panic. God was our agent. We couldn't say yes to Kansas when the Holy Spirit said no. The head of the pulpit committee called, really nice guy, and he said, well, you've, you know, like a week later, he said, you got the vote, and we want you to come here, and, and I said, I'm sorry to tell you, we just don't feel the same way, we just, we're going to keep looking, and he said, is that a firm no, and I said, yes, and he just wept, it felt horrible, but the next night, another board member called, and, and he asked, why, you know, he hadn't been there the week I was there, and and I said, well, what we learned as we were there those, other, uh, those next couple of days is that women were leading everything. You know, the men were just sitting back and watching. And he said, starting tomorrow, we'll get all those women out of those positions and we'll put men in those positions. I said, no, I, I don't want you to do that just to get me to come. I, I, that has to be your conviction. So it was still a no. And listen closely to this. 
Unless you're walking in the Spirit, you will never hear what God is trying to tell you. He won't be guiding your life and family and career. But why would you seek to know what is best for your life anyplace else except from a righteous, all-knowing, and loving God who knows you better than you know yourself? Number four through Revelation 8 through 10. And passing by Mycia, they came down to Troas. A vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man from Macedonia was standing and appealing to him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. When he had seen the vision, immediately he sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. The Holy Spirit stopped them and redirected them through a vision. MacArthur says, The missionary team's experience illustrates a basic principle of knowing God's will, to move ahead and allow him to close doors until the right opportunity is reached. And while today God's not in the business of giving us visions, although if you read much about what's going on in Muslim countries, that there are a lot of Muslims coming to Christ through visions. Um, For us in the West and in developed countries, um, we find his, his will through his word and by the Holy Spirit living within us and, and moving us toward his will. We know from his revealed will how we're to approach him by faith alone. We know how to live by his word. That's in submission to Christ and the Bible. Seeking to be led by the Spirit as we pray for guidance to determine his will. If you live by his word, he will guide you through this minefield called life. I think we'd all agree life's tough. There's a lot of hard things. But when you believe in a sovereign God, that he's got everything under control and he's going to work things out for his purpose, that gives you great peace gives you great comfort. So if true, then we want, if we believe that, then we won't be fighting God for control of our lives. But if you do, you, you'll be in charge, serving self and Satan and the world. Remember what it says in 1 John uh, 2.15? Do not love the world. nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Can't have one foot in the world and one foot in the church. Do you make Christ and his word and prayer the number one priority each day? That's the person who's going to find the will of God. I miss days when I don't read the word. Um, I don't like that. I don't want to do that, but there are days. I don't think I've ever missed a day when I haven't prayed. If you're not in the the word, you will never know the full blessing of God. You will not have the confidence of his guiding sovereign hand. 
Why exchange the guidance of God for guidance by self or Satan or, or believe the world's empty promises on how you're going to find peace? You know, what's it say? John 14, he gives a peace that the world cannot give. It's a peace that surpasses all comprehension. Submit to Christ and his word now. Let Jesus take the wheel, as the song says. Give him control of your life. What did we learn today? You can only discover the will of God if you're a part of his family. If you wanted to be in somebody's will, like their last will and testament, you know, you're hoping to get some money from their estate, but you didn't know them, what chance would you have? None. You're not family, you're not a close friend, they don't know you. If you're not a Christian, the only way God is guiding you is into a relationship with himself. Or leaving you to suffer the the consequences of your sin as you love the world and self. We said from the text there are four ways to discover the will of God. Number one was through conflict. Nobody likes conflict, but God has a purpose in it. Through others, we need to be humble enough to take counsel from people through the sensitivity of the Holy Spirit. And again, you're only going to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit when you're being drawn closer to him. And four, through revelation. For first century Christians and Old Testament believers, there were dreams and there were visions, oral tradition. They read eventually the Old Testament scrolls. For us, we have the word of God. And we have the Holy Spirit that helps us understand it and also works in us and moves us toward what God would want us to do. How do we apply it? What's that verse say? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. I was trying to be a working actor when I first came to L.A. in 1979. But went on a short-term mission, and I don't, you know, I just was, I wasn't teaching. I was just helping do some construction and listening to the different messages. And I just came back saying, I need to leave the acting profession. I need to go into ministry. And so then I went to my pastor. Howard Clark was the pastor at the time at Calvary Church in Pacific Palisades. And, and I said, this is what I'm sensing. And he encouraged that. I was single, you know, I was 31, I was about to enter my last year of uh, seminary, and, and I said, Lord, I don't even have a girlfriend, so, you know, I, if you want me to be single, if that's what you're saying, I'll do that, and I'll go to the mission field, and that week I met Lisa. When we were looking for a job after Nevada, I got the IFCA job listing, and there was Stratford, Wisconsin, it was almost like in, you know, coming at me you know it's like I went Stratford I couldn't even find it on the map and then we had to coax Lisa a little bit to go there after fasting and praying we went and it was a wonderful 18 and a half years the bottom line is do the revealed will of God out of love for God and his word not like okay if I'm, I'm going to do this and then I'm going to get something back 
We deserve nothing. But he's given us everything. He will guide you if you really seek him, if you really seek to do his will, if you obey his word. He will guide you into the secret will as you grow closer to him. And that's the key, growing closer to him through the word and prayer and service and fellowship. There's no better way to spend your time Satan tries to throw all kinds of things at us and distract us from what's important. There's no better way to spend your time than to be seeking him. And there's no better place to place your trust. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word, how powerful it is. Um, We are sinners in desperate need of, of your grace. Thank you for saving us and for transforming us and helping us grow. Father, we, we, we need to continue to grow until the day we're called to be with you. So, Father, I pray that we would dig into your word this week, maybe a little, little more than we did last week. And before every time we open that word, we say, God, teach me. Teach me. Help me to understand what this means. Help me to understand your character and your promises and how I'm to live for you. And if you do that, God will reveal his secret will to you in his timing, which will be perfect. Amen.